Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Well, this is, gonna, this is the last one of our Bounce Back series. It's really Bounce Forward this time, How to Move On. So um, it's, it's been a really uh, interesting series because it's what we do with our failure and what we do when we blow it and then what we do with our friends when they blow it. And this morning I want to talk about how to move on, how to really move forward in God because I... I I've watched, and in my own life I had this for years, but I've watched believers go through this cycle of when they fail, and then they go through this, well, am I really repenting sincerely? And they kind of beat themselves up. They try to find a measure of humility. They try to go through these different stages, and then they usually make the mistake of mortgaging their spiritual future if you give me the grace, God, I'll never do this again, and I'll also work in children's ministry. And we, we have a tendency to do those kind of things. But really, here's what, you know, and they, we get in this cycle, and I want to break that, I want to help you break that cycle. And uh, it's really interesting. One of the books that, uh, that John Wimber wrote years ago. I actually think it was Carol Wimber that wrote it about John. But the subtitle has something to the effect of this, that um, the way on was the way in. And understanding that for our Christianity, we never stop needing a Savior. You can't do this without grace and mercy of God. You can't achieve it. You can't do it. But there's something that's in the human nature that says, I'm, okay, I'm going to do better. I'm going, whatever that means, I'm going to measure myself and do better. Look at this. It's about theology and reality. Now, I'm not here to, to do a theological treatise for you, but I am here to talk about new covenant theology, what that means. Theology being what you believe to be true and know about God. Uh, The burden, if you will, of our rightness and our wrongness and using that reality as a basis of your relationship with God fails. Instead of using new covenant theology, we have a tendency to go back. We, We often return in our hearts to legalism, I'm, I'm going to get it right this time. We tell ourselves, we try and uh, screw up our spiritual courage uh, by saying things like that. And we use the law, believe it or not, to help ourselves move in the right direction. And guess what? That's the thing that got you in trouble in the first place. And so you try to use the issue of, well, I'm going to do it better, I'm going to get it right, and I will get it right this time, and you don't. Again. And again. And with a little bit of self-control, a little bit of hard pressing, you do okay for about four, six weeks, seven weeks, 
And then that thing happens. You know what I mean by that thing? Yeah? Something triggers you, and you blow it over the same issue again. And uh, I I had a really neat uh, experience years and years and years ago. Um, It it was with a guy who uh, actually became a Russian Orthodox priest, it was really interesting. I was in a Bible study with him about Romans, and he was talking about a besetting sin. He wanted to, uh, uh, the way he had dealt with it over and over in his life. And uh, he said he, he just couldn't, he couldn't get away from it. He just like, he tried every, all the willpower he knew, fail, 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 fail. He never did say what it was. He didn't tell us what the sin was. A group of older and young guys, and, uh, and I'd gone through a similar experience myself. Any of you had something you just couldn't get over the top of that thing ever? Yeah. And he said he was in the shower praying, and uh, he said he had turned the water on real hot, you know, to try and, <laughs> you know, get, get your senses going. He had the water really, really hot, and he was banging the back of the shower in his fist, screaming out to God in prayer. Why? Why do I have to keep dealing with this? When are you going to take this thing out of my life? I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm so sick of dealing with it. He's banging the back of the shower. The Holy Spirit said, "Um, why don't you turn around and deal with me? I'll deal with your sin. And he went, what? What? You know, how symbolic to turn around and face the cleansing water, the shower of God. You know, just coming right on you. He said, you weren't designed to deal with sin. Never were. Deal with me, I'll deal with your sin. And it moved, moved him out of that place, out of that. And I went, you know, even that time... You know, what better definition of grace and mercy can there be than God always being there when you need grace and mercy? Well, that's just sloppy grace. Well, you might as well get rid of that adjectives because all of grace is grace. And you want grace. You want the littlest grace and you want the biggest grace. Always. All the time in your life. You can't, listen, uh, you can't live without grace. Jesus came by grace and truth. And, you know, I I know I teach about it here all the time, but you can't, um, you're not going to get it right this time. Well, that's a terrible message. You mean I'm destined for failure? No, you're destined for grace. You're destined to live in Christ, by Christ, for Christ with Christ, Christ before you, Christ behind you, Christ when you rise up, Christ when you lay down. By the way, that's St. Patrick's prayer. It's really interesting. We do, and I I pulled this from Tulian Chavidian's It Is Finished, his devotional book, Um, and it's it's really this. It's the story of Nehemiah when when the captives of Israel, you know, they come back, they get sent back, and they're going to rebuild everything. And 
And they're going through a lot of stuff, and they finally return to Jerusalem. It's found in Nehemiah 8, by the way. You can read it, verses 1 through 12. I'm not going to read that whole thing this morning, but the, the people gather together, and they ask Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law and read it to them. They somehow know, you know, that they've gotten it wrong. We, you know, we got to get this thing straightened out. But here's the key. They ask Ezra to bring the law. And they, they, they spend a whole lot of time, matter of fact, the whole morning, reading the book of the law and worshiping God. And here's what they do at the end. They break down in tears. Why? Because they're so happy? No, they read the law. They know how far away they are. They're wretched. They don't measure up. (sighs) Breaks them down into tears. You know, that's the way of life. We ask for the law, we hear the law, and we are broken by the law. Well, you tell me not to read my Bible. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just telling you that when you do this measuring, say, I'm going to get it right next time, that's not the way forward. That's the way into an endless cycle. I, I think that we, uh, he, he writes in his book, uh, you know, you think we'd rather be free, right? You, you think, it, no rules, no restrictions. I'm going to live in that sloppy grace thing. I'll get away with whatever. I'll just do whatever I want. But we don't really do that. Listen, grace people really don't do that, and they really don't think that way. And even other people don't think that way. Uh, we really have this thing inside of our human nature that says, I can do this. I can measure up. Um, we love a test if we can pass it. Um, when we hear what really is a true standard, though, um, <clears throat> the full requirement of God's holy law, you know what it does? Brings you right to your knees, weakens you, destroys you. Because you know, come on, Unless you are so arrogant off the charts that you can't hear anybody, you know, you know, you don't measure up. The law always shows you how short you fall. Yes? Um, I love the way uh, Graham Cook describes it. He describes it as a mirror. You know, it can show you. Dude, your hair's messed up, but it won't comb your hair for you. You, know, you get Bill the cat going on, and and it can't fix it, and it's not going to cut it for you. We are so often like when we're trying to go forward after a failure. We're so often like the people of Israel in Nehemiah's time, and it's really what happens is we sort of. I'm going to try harder next time. But really, we're wrecked. I, I love the end of the, by that chapter of chapter 8, by the way, because it talks about this after they quit crying. Uh, Nehemiah tells the people not to be grieved 
for the joy of the Lord is their strength. There is an answer there, even within the midst of the law. It's not, the law will bring them no joy. And it won't bring them strength to get through. It's God's joy, God's deliverance, God's presence that actually brings us. It's the good news, really. And for us today, our right theology, it's the good news that Jesus Christ is there. The law comes to destroy us. The Son of God comes to resurrect us. Really does happen. Really much. Uh, Tullian writes this. Our death is overturned by Christ's death. Our, by the way, if you've never read that book, incredibly devotional. Just an incredible book. <sighs> Our life is created by Christ's life. We hear the law and are brought to tears. We hear the gospel and we're moved to joy. Really, it's this. In Christ, and you are in Christ when you've received him. Those who are poor are now rich. It's the word of God. Those who are captive, released. Those who are blind can now see. Those who feel oppressed can now see a measure of freedom. And because of Jesus, we're made new. It's the release of who he is. The way on is Christ. Always has been. We trick ourselves going back. Here's a really, really, this is, this is from the cure, but I, I love putting this up here. We can never resolve our sin by working on it. Now you pick out that besetting sin you have. Maybe it's anger, maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's this, maybe it's that, maybe it's not. You for whatever, whatever uh, sin du jour uh, is there for you today, you're never going to resolve it by working on it. Well, that's what I'm supposed to do. No, you're not. If you heard that, that was a false teaching. Here's what's true about grace. Grace is designed to deal with your sin. God is. It's not, it can't ever be seen in the lessening of God's demand in our lives. God, God, God's holy, yeah? Did you read that? He, he, he declares it about himself. I'm, I think it's probably pretty true. Um, I've found it true in my own life. God's holy. But this is what I know. He always and always will demand perfect obedience. He will. That's God's nature. He says, be holy for I'm holy. It's always going to be that way. His grace is experienced when we come to realize that his perfect demands for each of us have already been met in Jesus. Now, here's where the theology comes in. Christ did it for you and gives it to you as a gift. This is something in our human nature says, no, I got to do this. You can't. I'm really going to slam you. You think you will? You won't. 
Remember Luke on that weird slimy thing where he meets Yoda? Yeah, back in the first Star Wars, you know? You know, and he's got Dagobah. Ooh. It sounds, you know, and he's talking with Yoda, and he says, he's pretty sure of himself. You're afraid. He says, oh, you will be. You will be. You're going to go in the pit, and you're going to meet your self. Because remember that? He goes down and he has this little encounter and it's Darth Vader. And he engages him in the fight and takes off his head, right? And his head rolls away and the mask comes off and it's Luke. Luke, I am you. Uh, we fail. We, we will. You, you might fail this afternoon. You might fail tomorrow. Boy, this is a, I heard the best encouraging message at church day. Pastor said, I'm going to fail. Praise God. No, the praise God is this. Jesus already knew that and gave his life for it. And he will not mark that against you. Ever. So the answer is Christ. The answer is running, running to, into open arms that are going, are you sure you know what you're doing? You, you should be ashamed of yourself, young man. No, just come freely. Come, come in here. At our worst times is when we should feel closest to God. It's the lie that tells us that our worst time we're furthest away from him. That is a lie. Lie, 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 lie. It's when we're at our worst that God is his closest. Because he comes to rescue our hearts. He lived the life we couldn't live and died the death we should have died. So that as the rescue comes, the rescue doesn't come apart from God's law, but rather in perfect fulfillment of the law through the person of Jesus who perfectly kept it. He kept it because we can't. You can't lean into yourself and I, I'm going to get this right. No, you're not. It's interesting. Uh, Tulian writes this, Christianity is the only faith system where God both makes the demands and meets them. <laughs> now there's gospel. There's good. <sighs> I want a God like that. I want to run into the arms of God. I will serve a God like that. I <laughs> No, in everything I've said, I even want to try better for a God like that. I want to go, okay, I'm, I am going to get better because of Christ in me. Because I can put my trust in the one who says, even when you fail, I'm there. I'm always there for you, Pee Wee. I won't quit on you. I won't reject you. I won't turn away. I won't stop. Yeah, but this is my 999th confession over this same issue. Well, he died for the thousands. Not just the 999 time you did it. You did it once for all. Isn't this good news? So that's where we're supposed to live as people. That's how we go forward. 
And if that, uh, I don't know, if that sounds like something ridiculous, I, I don't think so. Because of this. God has done what the law cannot. Straight scripture, straight new covenant theology. Tulian quotes this guy, I've never heard of this guy, Jack Miller, a noted Presbyterian pastor. I didn't, I've never noted him, but he quotes him. An author in Philadelphia in the last century often summed up the gospel this way. Cheer up! You're a lot worse off than you think you are. But in Jesus, you're far more loved than you ever could have imagined. That is good reason to cheer up. Because when, when we try to do it by the law, I'm going to get this right, it's like living in Romans chapter 7 and never getting to chapter 8. Listen, I, when I first got pulled into the grace camp, whatever that means, nice fire, good people, and get along for a change, whenever I got pulled into this, I set my heart just through the invitation of God. I read, now this isn't, I'm not bragging, so I don't need to give you qualifiers either. I'm not walking in false humility. I got smitten by Romans, so I read Romans chapters 5 through 8. I did it once a week for almost four years. I just, I would do other studies, but I couldn't get, it was just like, hmm. Mm, I would just read it and devour it. And I, I, I took a, a book that most, you know, Martin Lloyd-Jones' Exposition on Romans, which most people would think is very boring uh, and would wear out with it because it's line on line. He takes a half a sentence of Scripture and expounds upon it. It was like eating creme brulee. For, I, just, I just gobbled it up and gobbled it up and gobbled it up. And, this is, and the most difficult thing there was when I, I, I decided I'm never going to stop in chapter 7. Because chapter 7 is what? <laughs> you know, I try really hard and I don't do anything that I know I should do. And I do everything that I tell myself I shouldn't do. And I find this really strange thing. God's delivered me from sin, and then sin can still work in me. It's there in me. It's present in me. What hope is there for me? Well, you'd never want to stop halfway through chapter 7. You want to, But we live our lives that way, don't we? I keep doing the wretched thing. Listen. You've got to get to the end of the chapter. Thanks be to God for the gift in Jesus Christ, my Savior. You've got to get to the end of the chapter. And then you get Romans 8. Now remember, we put why they divided the chapters there. I will never know how, who, who thought up the chapter verse thing and why they said, hmm, that's a good place to stop. <laughs> chapter 8, <laughs> you know. Well, if it was TV and I had to wait till next week, I'm pretty much a wretch. 
I stink. There, I said it. I'm really lousy. No, don't stop there. Thanks to God, verse 21. Thank you, God, for your unspeakable gift. That is the thing that paid for all the penalty of never being able to get it right. Because then it goes to Romans 8.1. And you want to live in Romans 8.1. There is therefore now, present tense, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Oh, you, I've preached it so many times. But you talk about the get out of jail free card. It's always in your back pocket. Yeah, well, that's like pretty crazy because then you do what you want and then you pull it out. I don't care how you use it, it's there. It's there. You can't get, no matter how many times we try to preach it around, well, you can't, you know, you can't really trick God. You can't, you can't make God be okay when you're wrong. Yes, he is. He's okay with you when you're wrong. How does he do that? <laughs> That's the good news. He's God in your life today. It's incredible, isn't it? To have that. Look at this. Then you get to Romans 8.3. It, it's almost, you, know, you almost have to read, you almost have to, like y'all should be on your knees crying and weeping. It, you have to read this and just go, <sighs> Look at, the, look at what it says. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Therefore, our preoccupation with our sin and dealing with our sin keeps us anxious about sin instead of being preoccupied with who God says we are as a basis for dealing with our sin. The good intention of working on our sin does not create a redemptive solution, which is the only basis upon which sin can be dealt with. The cross was, is, and always will be God's only way of dealing with sin. Thank you, John Lynch. Bigger than that. Thank you, Jesus. Here's the God who made a way apart on, on, your, on your very stinkiest day at work, on your worst day with weird Uncle Eddie. When so-and-so pushes your button, which you ask God to remove, and they can still get you going. Now let's get serious. When your most bitter heartache rises up in resentment in you again towards another person. God has done what the law cannot. Perfectly fulfilled it. This is the best news you'll ever hear. And gives it to you again and again and again. It's a gift. No wonder he wrote, thanks be to God. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. 
This is why you, you can't defeat sin by working on it. You defeat it by applying the same thing that the one who defeated it with did it. So li- listen, we'll clo- close with this. and yeah, Let me sit back down. Let's read this together from down here. I want to see what you're saying. Let's all read this aloud together. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't read the next part, verse 2, because they moved that up from verse 4. I forgot to take it out. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son, So do you walk according to the Spirit? How do you do that? If Christ is in you, you walk according to the Spirit. That's what it later says in Romans 8. It's the acknowledgement. I'm, I'm walking in the Spirit. All the time. Look. Jesus. Eh, that's pretty arrogant, Lloyd, is it? It's, this is literally, this is the good news. Christ in me. Walking in the Spirit because Christ is in me. When I set my mind, it says, on those things, It's life and peace. When I don't, it's death. I'll start thinking about sin always leads to death. And then I will go back and re-wrestle. you got to get this last part. I will re-wrestle with the sin that I just gave up to him. And then we do this really weird Christian thing. I promise I'll close with this. But we do this really weird thing. I'm wrestling with God. No, you're not. You're sinning. God's dealing with me really heavy about this. No, he's not. You're being stupid. Stop it. You're not acknowledging Christ in you. You're not not having some spiritual wrestling with, oh, God's going to make me do something I don't want to do. Stop it. Really? He won't. Do you know that? He won't make you do it. He already did it for you. Why would he make you do that which he did for you? You're thinking insanely. That's insanity. It's insanity. You getting that? Here's true truth. He did it. He fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. What does God require of me now? To acknowledge that he's in you. To acknowledge that he's your God and you're, gonna, you're his kid. He's never going to abandon you and you're going to walk this way. You know, you start singing songs, you walk this way. You know? Well, you can't see Jesus on a lead guitar. 
know, you know, if you've tasted the gospel at all, you know this is true. The wrestling match is from the enemy, goes about as a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour, casting doubt and fear on your theology, on your belief system, on who you know God to be. Isn't that what he did from the beginning? Yes, God really said. You know, it tastes pretty good. It's not God. Resist that. No, I'm in Christ. Bye. God fulfilled it perfectly. But here's the bold thing. In me now. He has fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law in me. I am in Christ. That's what Romans 8 is teaching. Set free from the law. Not sin and death. You're going to die. Unless those guys in England are right and he comes back when is it? Oh, two days. You better get your life right. Did you know that one? Doing another whole new rapture thing. God's got numerology. It's going to happen. In Christ. <laughs> what should come out of our lives with this is not another spiritual sacrifice, but the great sigh of contentment of being right exactly where I'm supposed to be in Christ trusting him, waiting for the whispers and the leading of the Holy Spirit that he promised would be a voice in our ear telling us, go, go to the left or the right, and we can make all kinds of plans. But the answer is from God. Has God disrupted your little plans? He sure did mine. But all it ever did was make me bold as a lion and want to do the next thing. Because he was always there. Always there. Stand with me. He's always there for you. Listen, this is such good news. You guys need to take this and wrap your own words around it and re-preach it to somebody this week. Now, don't tell them you're preaching. Just be their friend and do it in regular language. Like, don't get all weird and don't get weirdly dramatic like I do. Just be yourself. Just be who God made you to be and tell them about the good news of the love of God in their lives and that God is there for them no matter what. That's all the people need to hear. God's going to be there for you no matter what. I don't even believe in God. It's okay, he's there. Their belief doesn't depend, you know, God's not dependent on their belief. God's God. Funny thing about God, he knows he's God. He's really convinced of it. And that's all they need to hear. God's God. He's so for you. Never against them. It's good news. Put your hand on your heart. Lord, see these hearts. Lord, our hearts can, oh, they can wander so quickly. They can, Lord, I can... I can this heart at times can choose the fool, most foolish thing. But this is what I want to declare over my heart this morning. You're making this declaration. 
you own my heart. Did you just say that? You own my heart. Say this, you saved my heart. I am yours, never another's. You will never leave me. You will never abandon me. You will never forsake me. You're my God, and I'm your child. In Jesus' name. How may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Father, and of Son, and of Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Would you please love each other as you just go and